recording okay so can you hear now now you can kind of hear the other person better too okay so now it's officially recording um but yeah I just I want this my goal with this is for it to be like a casual conversation you know I don't want it to sound like an interview where I'm like so tell me xyz where it's like it sounds really formal and rehearsed so I just want it to be like as if someone was sitting in on like a deep conversation that yeah. you were having with someone at like a party or something. Yeah, that's perfect. So yeah. Okay. So first I'll just kind of say just a little gist about yourself. I'm 17 and I live in Los Gatos. I'm a senior in high school and yeah. Okay. So first we'll just kind of start with like your childhood or like what growing up in LG was like for you and family experiences, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, for me, my childhood was pretty normal, I'd say. My family, the way we worked, everyone was kind of walking on eggshells the entire time. My family really cared about how others perceived us. Yeah. So they wanted to keep the white picket fence idea going. And I honestly can't remember a lot of my childhood because of some things that occurred in my life, which I'll, I can speak on later. Mm -hmm. But, um... Yeah, I remember just being normal. My sister and I fought a lot, which is different completely as to how we are now. I just kind of always saw her as competition, I guess, yeah. rather than an ally. Which right. Is and she's older than you. Yeah. yeah, she is. How much older is she? A year and a half. Okay. She's a freshman in college right now. Right. So you guys are pretty close in age. That's like me and my yeah. sister were about a year and a half, too. Yeah. So it's like when you're kids, you're like worst enemies. And then as you get older, <laughs> like, you're like, oh, I have a friend now. Yeah, That's exactly. my age. Like a built-in best friend. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I but I, I like totally like the picket fence thing and I feel like especially in Los Gatos like everyone wants to put on this facade of like we have the perfect family and there's nothing wrong with us and we all get along and whatever and like like for me it was always like if we got in a fight in public oh shit like that like things were getting real that was really bad yeah that's when your mom puts her hand on you and like like, squeezes squeezes. you as hard as she can exactly she's like stop talking don't embarrass us Yeah. yeah no and it's like it's it's funny how, especially in this community, like we just care so much about how other people perceive us, and it's like we're all we're all fucked up. Like we yeah. all have our family issues and stuff, but no one talks about them. I know, and then it's bad too as we grow up. Like, cause then I thought that was normal, like to hide everything. I feel everything totally. that's bad to put on this fake front for everybody else to see, and that right. just kind of got me in a rough patch. Yeah, because I remember, and I remember too, like in middle school, we you know, it was what was it like seventh or eighth grade maybe when we saw each other in the waiting room of a therapist's office. Oh my god, that was so funny. (laughs) Yeah. It was like it was the point in our lives too where it's like it's like middle school. So you you were kind of the odd one out for going to therapy. You know what I mean? Like now I feel like it's a little more socially acceptable and at our age. But in middle school, it was like, oh, if you're a kid going to therapy, like, you're fucked up. And so I remember seeing you in the waiting room being like, oh thank God there's someone else here and I'm not the crazy one. And that was such a relief. But yeah, that was like, we were pretty young yeah. for that to be. Was that, I think that probably was seventh. Probably seventh grade or, or something. Or I think it was when I came back from Australia, maybe eighth. Oh yeah. Right. I, I completely forgot about that too. Yeah. Because you were here in sixth grade. So then, so why did you guys move away? My parents, so um, I just figured this out a little bit ago, but their marriage, they were having really bad marriage issues. And so my mom thought that moving to a different country was going to solve them. <laughs> And so that's why we moved and then it didn't work. So then we moved back about a year and a half later. And so that was, so you missed seventh grade, was it? Or did you miss eighth grade? Uh, I missed. Or part of both? I missed all of seventh grade and half of eighth grade. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's just crazy. How, how weird is it to have to like adapt to an entirely new school environment, especially when you're in middle school? Like, I feel like that would have been really hard for me. Well, like, moving there, I was kind of like the shiny new toy. Like, everyone wanted to know who I was, and I was freaky tall at that point in my life. I've kind of been... I mean, I'm not tall anymore. I'm only, like, 5'6", but I've been this height since yeah. about 7th grade, yeah. so... Um, You've always been on the taller end. Yeah. Right. But it, it kind of sucked, especially moving to a different country. And we went to a private school, mm. like, a super private school. We went to mass all the time. And um, I just didn't really fit in because I wasn't super religious. Yeah. Is and your family religious? My mom is. Yeah. My dad's not. He was when he was younger, but something happened. Yeah. And um, I just felt alone all the time yeah. when I was there, especially when I was around other people, because um, everyone kind of had their friend groups, everything going on, and I just kind of tried to insert myself, and it didn't really work out, yeah. especially because I was super loud. 
I was trying to figure out who I was, and I was just was crazy. I made so many inappropriate jokes that should never be made. Dude, you were the high, like, honestly, you were always so entertaining. Like, I remember, I remember being in sixth grade and being like, oh, this is what it means to be, like, the class, like, this is what it means to entertain people and to, like, have people like you. Like, I always was so drawn to you because you had that, like, really boisterous personality that was really special. But yeah, like, with the religious stuff, too, was that ever... Did that ever make it hard to find friends there, too, or? Not really. Yeah. Because a lot, not, just because you went there doesn't mean you're religious. Right, okay. So it wasn't really a tie-in with all the kids. Mm-hmm. It just was, in like, an overarching theme throughout the school. Right. But no one there really Did defined themselves. uniforms? Yeah. Ooh. Really bad. We had to wear those chunky, um, I think they're called Mary Jane shoes. Oh, and every God. morning we'd have to like kneel on the concrete and they'd have to see if our skirt touched the ground. And if we didn't have our blazers, we got sent home with like weed Holy pins on it. shit. Yeah. That's intense, man. And yeah, I feel like with the, the friend group thing too, that must have been so fucking hard. Just because like I, I think about my friend group and I'm so lucky that I've lived in the same place my entire life and that my friend group is like essentially the same group of girls that I've known since kindergarten and like I can't imagine having to come in and be the one to be like oh like can I be part of the group you know where you're just you know that these friendships have already like solidified kind of yeah I'm pretty outgoing and it wasn't hard for me to approach people but what's kind of hard for me is to make long-lasting relationships with people Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with that and so I had one or two good friends that I still talk to now but that's that's about it yeah i spent a lot of time with my sister there that's when we got really close then i read a lot mm-hmm. and i <laughs> i put all my effort into school when i was there just because that was what i had to do and soccer i played i did sports there yeah. so that took up most of my time so yeah you kind of just got to put your energy into that yeah, and other things yeah yeah which was good so then when you came back how was that like readjustment and well, how were things with your family then at that point Coming back was terrible. Really? Yeah. Um, everyone was different when I got back. Because middle school is kind of a time when everyone finds themselves and mm-hmm. changes. And just in the year and a half that I was gone, everyone was different. There was different friend groups and everything. And I was a much different person when I came back, too. Because um, I had certain thing. I had stuff happen when I was in Australia. And um, I just didn't care at all about who I was. I just wanted to make sure that I fit in with everybody else. Right. So that, like, I couldn't get hurt, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I just kind of became a little bit of a monster because I had no respect for what was right or wrong, really, just what would further me. Yeah. And it just was not good. What, what, or you alluded to them, but if you don't want to talk about them, you don't have to, but what happened in Australia that really, like, was hard for you to come back after? Um, one of my teachers, he was my music teacher, because we had to, um, go into private music lessons there in, like, a little room, and he sexually assaulted me three times, and, yeah, it, it really messed me up. I, I can't even imagine, and that was, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I can't imagine, I think a lot of people in this community, too, since we come from a privileged community, assume that just because you have money, you don't have problems, or that just because you're raised here, you've never been through anything. And it's like, that's heavy shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, so much to go through as a child. Yeah, the worst part of it for me, I think, that strained my relationship with my family was that I told them about it. And they told me that I would be arrested for slander and libel if I was lying about it. So then I just didn't talk about it anymore. God, so they, they, they kind of made you feel like you... Yeah. They didn't. They didn't believe. Yeah, you they didn't almost. believe me. Yeah, and they didn't until it got like my mental health got so bad to the point where they had to send me away. That's when they believed me, because I just didn't talk about it again. Yeah, because I'm sure you just were kind of at the point where you're like, I don't feel like I can really talk about yeah. this. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's so fucking awful. It's alright, yeah, no one should do that to a person, but it's made me who I am today. Yeah, and like I'm not the same person I was before all that happened. Right, and I was pretty. Um, what's the word? You got it. <laughs> innocent, I guess. Innocent. Yeah, yeah. I thought no one in the world was ever going to do yeah, anything naive. to me. Yeah, yeah, I was naive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then it shifted to the opposite end of the spectrum where I thought everyone wanted something terrible from me. Right. But now I guess I'm kind of in the middle ground and I'm, I'm happy for that. 
that just fucks you up so much as like a child too to go from that optimistic view of the world of like everyone is good to then go all the way to the polar opposite of everyone is trying to hurt me or get something out of me yeah it it changed the way that i handled people and situations completely yeah and so then when had you ever been going to therapy before prior to going to australia or prior to that those incidents and so do you start going to therapy afterwards yes and did you were you more open with your therapist or did you find that it was still hard to talk about no i did not talk about it until sophomore year when i got sent to wilderness i didn't speak about it yeah so what so then with wilderness what happened there because i know i remember when you left and again i was kind of out of school entirely so like I wasn't in the social circle and I wasn't really able to keep up with things but I just remember you um I think making a post or something the turtle thing thing. so do you want to do you want to elaborate on the turtle thing well so my parents took me to um they told me it was like a separate therapist thing and I was like okay I don't know what's going on right whatever another therapist I'll go and she told me basically that I was going to be going to a she first she asked me she's like oh do you want to go somewhere else to remove yourself from the situation so you can try and find happiness and I was like uh, maybe right can I do this over the summer I don't yeah. really want to skip it's school. gonna conflict <laughs> yeah and she was just talking about it she didn't tell me exactly if I was going or what was happening and she explained it kind of like a summer camp mm. for two months where I would just like do yoga on the beach and find myself and right I was like okay sure like I'll go in the summer and they're like, oh, no, you're going tomorrow morning. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, do I have a choice? And they're like, no, you don't have any choice. And if you run away, then we're going to get people to find you, and then you'll be handcuffed and get on a plane. And so I was like, oh, God. I guess I'm going. Yeah, and you don't, you don't, so your parents didn't run anything by you before, and they didn't say, are you, does no. this, is this okay with you? Are you comfortable with this? No, they just told me you're getting on a plane tomorrow morning, and you're going to wow. be gone. And where was, where was the camp? Uh, it was in Hawaii, in okay. Nalehu County. Okay. So, because, yeah, because the turtles thing, you did say that you were going... So, th- for for those who don't know, that the turtles thing <laughs> okay. was basically you posting... What, you post something on Instagram? Was that it? Yeah, wait, let me see if I can... F- uh, no, if you I, still have- I changed it. Oh, you deleted I it? I deleted it, yeah. But, yeah, it was... I think you posted something on Instagram basically saying that you were going to Hawaii to save the save turtles. turtles yeah. Right. Save turtles. Which kind of goes back to the white picket fence thing. I didn't want right, anyone really to, to know. realize what was going on Totally. But that was just not my best move. No, but I mean, I, it it makes sense. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I get it. The and motives make sense. Totally. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like irrational in any way. Like, I honestly feel like, especially that, like, that was beginning of high school, kind of. Yeah. So it's like, you're still trying to figure out how you think of yourself and how other people think about you. And the last thing you want is for people to be like, oh, she's the crazy one or yeah. she's the whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So I totally get that. Yeah. Were you afraid of what other people would oh, totally. say if they found out? Yeah. I was worried people were going to label me as a, like the nut job or the treatment kid. Yeah. Because some other kids had gotten sent away in our grade and then that was like who they were. Right. Basically. They were kind of defined by that period yeah. in their life. Exactly. Yeah. Which is such a shame. I Because it's so shitty. But... Yeah, so then when you came... So, at Wilderness Camp, what was that like? Like, what... Did you do therapy every day? Did you... Was it more of, like, the retreat, kind of, like, you were... Like, it was pitched to you? Or was it more, like, group discussions? Like, what kind of was that like? It was nothing like it was pitched to me, honestly. Um, I got there in the first part of the camp, or I guess, what's it? A program? Yeah. I guess that's what they call it, a program, is... um, well they have different stages and the first stage you have to sit basically in a little shed it's a beautiful scenery though right because it's hawaii (laughs) you can't talk to anybody oh that's weird and some of the main rules about the camp are that in order to walk anywhere you have to ask perch who is someone that sits in like a tower somewhere and you have to ask them if you can go somewhere and they say yes you may walk there because you're never supposed to have conversations with other students there one-on-one you, they always have to be monitored, and you, the, people always have to know where wow. you are. Um, and so the first stage when I got there, that I was just sitting alone, journaling. And that honestly was so good for me, though. Yeah. I hated it in the moment, every single second of it, because I like to talk to people. I talk. Right. That's what I can do. And then I just had to sit there and think about everything. And I hate being in my own head. That yeah. was my worst fear, and I just had to deal with that. But it made me realize a lot and come to terms with things. Yeah. So that was good. I can't. 
that's that's so interesting too how they kind of like isolate you but then it it does force you to kind of sit with yourself and sit with your own thoughts which is like honestly so many people's like worst nightmare Mm -hmm. to have to sit with their own thoughts for like 15 minutes is really fucking hard yeah so so at wilderness camp too after that like was there a main purpose like were they trying to quote-unquote fix you or like what was their kind of goal there well they weren't trying to fix us because there's nothing really wrong with you for having no exactly yeah, no, I know that's not what you meant but um they were just trying to make it so we could cope with right. what was going on in our lives and what haunted us and wilderness worked it worked and it really helped me because um what it turned into then was I think twice a week therapy with a therapist and then once a week group therapy okay and the rest we'd kind of just be gardening and completing little tasks we had this journal or and curriculum we had to do we got some school credit for it too and so you just had to fill your time with things i started whittling no way that's so dope i went through a religious phase there too so i whittled across which is kind of odd i feel like everyone goes through that phase (laughs) dude me at hume lake in like sixth grade i came back and i was like all i want for christmas is a bible i was fucking nuts but yeah it's because it's it's an easy thing to kind of grab onto too when you're like sinking Mm -hmm. and you're just like what the fuck do i do yeah yeah so at wilderness camp too like did they ever have you sit down with like a psychiatrist or anything and like had you been diagnosed with anything at this point or were you still kind of just floating in the like what's wrong with me zone i had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and they did do testing there also they did iq testing too Mm -hmm. Which was kind of odd, but that's so you could get into a school in the later parts, like once you leave, wait, where you're going next. Gotcha. And that I was fine with that though, but I was super sick when I did it because uh, the food there made me really sick. I was throwing up every single day. They didn't know really what was wrong. Yeah, so I probably didn't do very well in the testing, but <laughs> it's okay. But fuck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't really care. God, that does not sound fun though. Yeah. I weighed like a hundred pounds by the time. Wow. And you, you're you a slim girl. Like, you've always been, like, on the slim side. Yeah. So that's, like... I was, like, sticking bones. Pretty crazy. And they told me it was a mind-body connection. They're like, oh, your mind's sick. That's why you're throwing up. And I was like, I just don't think that's accurate. Oh, my God. That's just, like, annoying, yeah. too. You're, like, you're just dismissing my, my actual yeah. health problems here. They wouldn't take me to the doctor, either. I was like, okay. They're like, you're going to run away at the doctor. I was like, no. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I just need help. I just need help. <laughs> That'd be great. Thanks. I'm kind of sick. God. And so then when you came back to, did you continue like seeing a therapist and did you continue group therapy and things like that? So when I left wilderness, I was in wilderness for about three months. Yeah. And then I went to Montana. Okay. So I went to a RTC. Which is? A residential treatment center. Oh, okay. Right. And it's just kind of the next step in going back into normal society. Yeah. And that was terrible. But they did a bunch of group work there, and then twice a week I had single therapy yeah. sessions too. So what was what was so terrible about the that treatment center? It was just run very poorly. It was called Monarch School. It actually got shut down. That's why I came oh, wow. home. Um, yeah, it was a lot of the kids kind of running around. A lot was going on behind the scenes. The staff didn't really realize right. it. And it just wasn't a very good environment. Everyone there was judging each other constantly. Like, I got called terrible names. Everyone there got called called terrible names it it it, it was like um like a magnifying glass on all the bad stuff that happens in high school and it just it was just multiplied by 10 which is exactly what you don't need in a residential treatment center yeah god so so while you were there too how long were you there for Uh, i was there from january to i think september okay wow Yeah, yeah so you were there for a while i was there for a while yeah and did you get to have, like, visits with your family? Did you get to have any, like, freedoms or... Ooh, I didn't, because I kept getting in trouble. Uh, my family, I never got to see my sister the whole time I was there. Uh, I got to see my dad twice, I think, and my mom once. I could have been able to see them more, but I kept digging myself into a deeper hole. Right. And then I should have been allowed to come home also, but I ruined that opportunity for myself. Right. Yeah. No, but also when you're in that kind of environment, it's really easy to, like, break a rule or yeah. something. Like, even even just, and, you know, I haven't been in a residential treatment center, but even just at, um, whatever it was, Fremont Hospital, when <laughs> I was there for, like, three days. Yeah. It's so easy to just, like, you say one snipe, snipe comment to someone, and then, like, they bump you down a level yeah. or something, and you're like, 
oh shit Uh, oops that happened to me when i was there too yeah that place was terrible though yeah i agree so let's talk about that let's talk about so what got you there and then how long were you there for Fremont Hospital was right before I got sent away. That okay. was kind of what pushed my parents over the edge where they're like, okay, she needs more help than we can give her. So this is before Wilderness Camp? This was camp. before Wilderness okay. Camp, yeah. And I I think I was just sitting in my room mm-hmm. by myself with my own thoughts, and I just thought that everyone... I, th- I get into this thought... I used to get into this thought pattern where I thought everyone would be better off without me, and that all I did was like harm people's lives and hurt them, and I thought that at the end of the day, I didn't really need to be there. And so I told my parents that I was going to do something to myself yeah. so that I got help. Yeah. And I went there. That was, I feel like, uh, God, I just can relate so much. Yeah. Like, I feel like for me, it was always when I get into those places of thinking, I just start thinking, you're a burden, you're a burden, you're a burden. And it's just that over and over and over again in my head. And just thinking like, everyone, you're helping everyone. You yeah. would help everyone by yeah. not being here. Which is, you know, when, you, when you're when you in a good place, you can look at it and be like, oh, that's so fucked up. Yeah. But when you're in it, you 100% believe it. And for me, too, what I thought, I thought I was kind of more of an object for people to use, especially for men, based on what happened to me in Australia. I was like, oh, every, like, I'm just there for people to use. Like, I, right. what I used to call myself was a, a used rag. Like, that's all I was to people. And so I was also kind of comfortable in being in that depressed state. Yeah. So I didn't really try and get out necessarily because it's what I knew and I felt warm there so yeah and I feel like that is so characteristic of depression too that it's like when you're in it you don't really want to get better yeah like you're kind of just there and you're like this is comfortable this is what I know I'm I'm familiar with being sad I'm familiar with like self-loathing and all that but anything outside of that is like foreign territory so it's kind of a weird dichotomy because you're like in your head, you're like, I kind of, I want to get better. Like, I want to not be depressed because it sucks. Yeah. But also, like, actually having to take the steps to get there is really hard. Yeah. And then you also don't have any effort to, like, take those steps you have at all. Like, if you can't even zero get out of willpower. Bed, how are you supposed to all yeah. of a sudden try and help yourself? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, like, some of my signature things where it was, like, I could tell that I was getting into, like, a really bad depressed state would be, like, suddenly I hadn't showered in a week. Yeah. Or something. You know, or my I haven't brushed my hair in so long. So for me, it was always the self hygiene that went that went first. Yeah, for me, it's more my eating. I'd stop eating completely, yeah. and I'm kind of the opposite with my self hygiene. I if I thought I was losing control mentally, I'd try and control everything physically about myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't really quite know why. I guess it was to keep up appearances of oh everything's fine, like right. I'm perfectly fine. But yeah, yeah. And did you, did you spend a lot of time, like, in bed, alone, the classic, like, isolation? Yeah, I didn't let anyone near me, really. Yeah. I just snapped all day. Yeah. Were you, did, did it make you, like, more irritable, too, you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember how I was freshman, sophomore year, but I had absolutely no filter. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're fine, you're and fine. <laughs> like, everything anyone said to me just set me off. Like, you yeah. never knew what I was going to Just, like, say. hair trigger, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like, again, it sucks, because that's such a like characteristic trait of depression and so many people just miss it yeah and look at it and they're like wow she's really mean yeah like wow and you're like you're missing the bigger picture here there's so much more happening underneath people just thought i was a bitch because i had my headphones into my my hood up so suddenly you're like the emo bitch like ignoring everyone (laughs) which is such bullshit but yeah so so at fremont so you basically told your parents i'm I'm and how how was that telling your parents? Because for me, I had a really like that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Yeah, no. Um, I was at my dad's house. Yeah, and I do not have that type of relationship with my dad at all. So I forced him to drive me to my mom's house, and then I could tell my mom. And we still really don't have that relationship, but I felt more comfortable telling her just because she's the mom. Right. And it was hard for me. I really couldn't get it out. Yeah. I just kind of showed them the cuts I had on my body and I couldn't stop crying and then I think they understood what was going on I said I think I'm going to do something worse yeah and then uh, I just felt like they were looking at me too like I was a small person in that moment because based on what they knew too everything in my life was perfect right because they'd completely forgotten about what I told them in Australia yeah like they didn't get it and I am not someone that lets people know how I feel usually so I just bottled it up and it all exploded out at one time. Yeah. And 
So were you so were you self-harming yourself for a period of time prior to that too? I had self-harmed myself probably since beginning of freshman year. Okay. Yeah. Cuz that's when everything I just compartmentalized everything for a very very long time mm-hmm. and then freshman year my parents got divorced. That was a whole mess. Um I'll explain that. Um Okay, yeah. I I'm a snooper. I snooped through things. Girl saying. Yeah. So, um, I, it's a control thing. I like to have control over everything, so I like to know everything. And if I don't know things, I freak out. So I was snooping through my dad's stuff, and I found all these emails and Skype things of how he was cheating with other women, and it had wow. been for a very long time. And so, um, my parents at that point were already, like, living, not living together. Mm-hmm. And then I, me and my sister told my mom about that, and that kind of all blew up. And I, this was completely false, but I saw myself as the reason why it completely ended. And I also thought my parents viewed me that way, which they just, they just didn't. It was just my head yeah. forcing me to But when, when you're in that place, yeah. you can't, logic doesn't do anything. It doesn't help anything. Yeah. And then I think that was kind of what set me off the edge more so than I already was. Yeah. Did you have, did you have a lot of like resentment towards your dad for that or was it? mutually like you were mad at both your parents kind of thing no i felt bad for my mom yeah i felt really bad because she still cared about him a lot i know yeah and my dad just i don't think i heard him say sorry once yeah to anybody and that's like betrayal to the core yeah i just saw it as cheating on his whole family right and not just my mom then lying about it right for a long period of time how long, do you know how long it was before you found out? I don't know exactly, but I know that he had had a girlfriend mm-hmm. living in a different state somewhere. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of just shatters your idea of what, like, family's supposed to be and what it means to, like, care about other people. Yeah. It was kind of the first crack in, I guess, other people's view of us, too. And so I saw people looking at me differently. They started to, like, whispers and things like, oh, like, those parents are getting right right and I was like yeah you're like great you're telling me something I didn't know thanks so much whispering about it's really gonna help because I remember too I remember like at that time I think you came to me and said hey can you give me like can we talk about this sometime or like can you give me any kind of advice for like how to deal with this and whatever because at the time it was uh, yeah some my parents had split up and had been living apart and did live apart for almost almost a year I think and then got back together which was like weird yeah that was probably hard to yeah it, it was just such a weird experience because I was like it nowadays looking back on it it's like I feel like I'm kind of have to pretend like it didn't happen because yeah. I'm like well they're together in the end I got the happy ending that I wanted yeah. but are we just gonna forget about those like several years of like really tumultuous family dynamics and just like crazy shit that we now kind of have to pretend like it didn't happen yeah and I feel like getting so used to them being apart and then having it go back almost like I don't know if it felt forced but like forcibly going back to normal together yeah Yeah. and it's like and they're so much better now they're better now than they've ever been but it was it was just such a weird experience and like I I was you know in my head I was like they're 100% getting divorced because that's what you do after you separate and yeah. live apart for that long, right? And that's what they had told us they were doing. So then when they got back together, it was like, wait, hold on. Now I almost, like, can't – I have to second-guess everything my parents tell me kind of thing. Yeah. Which, you know, it's not their fault, but yeah. it makes you kind of rethink things and how you perceive things. And I think – and I'm the same as you. I'm a snooper. Yeah. And I think, and I think that hurt me in the end, but mm-hmm. also – I'm the oldest of three, so it was like I was exposed to a lot more than my siblings ever were. Yeah. So it's just it's just a weird situation. But yeah, I remember, I think it was like you, me, and one other person who were going through, and I, I won't say the person's name, but I think yeah. you know who it is, yeah. of, of that time of like weird parent shit happening, and it was like, it, it felt like everyone knew. Yeah. And like everyone could see it in your face kind of thing. And in this town, too, everyone talks. Yeah. So everyone knows by, like, a week after anything's happened. Yeah. So For sure. things really personal. For sure. So then, so I'm going to go back really quick to that 
that night. So you told your parents. Oh, yeah, sorry. They took you. Oh, no, you're fine. No. <laughs> I go on so many tangents. <laughs> no, I, I love tangents. That's, like, what I live for. That's the only way you actually get to, like, the true stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you you told your parents, and then they took you. Did, did they take you directly to Fremont Hospital, or they take you to a different facility first? No, the... The ambulance picked me up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they called 911 and took yeah. the ambulance. Okay. That was awkward. Not awkward, but I was like, what? Yeah. I thought everyone was going to know, too, because right. the ambulance was pulling up to my house. Right. And that's, like, sets off alarm bells. Yeah. And then I went to a facility. I don't really know what it... An evaluation facility? Is that yeah. what they called it? I think... Something like that. Yeah. Something kind of strange. Oops. And then from there, they took me in another ambulance to Fremont Hospital. Mm. How long did you stay at the first place? Overnight. Yeah. Overnight, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a weird outside concrete all, like, covered I'm, court thing. I Chalk. feel like I probably went to the same place yeah. that you did. And there was, I feel... Oh, God, what's the name? Something know. family care... So, I don't know. And then they, like, evaluate you there and basically... Because then, at that point, once you got taken in the ambulance, they probably checked you in on 5150, right? Yeah. So you were there at that point involuntarily. Mm-hmm. And so then... When they transferred you to Fremont, did they have to, like, reevaluate and say, how much longer are we going to keep her here for? Yeah, I I think it was the next morning that they ended up doing that. The next morning after I got to the hospital. And I don't know if it changed to a 52. Yeah. I can't really remember. I know that my parents were doing all they could to get me out because they didn't think I was, like, I needed to be there at all. Right. But... It's all, I haven't really thought about this in a super long yeah. time. Jeez. Yeah. I remember I talked to some small Indian therapist, and I just didn't trust him at all. I was like, dude, I just met you. Why am I going to tell yeah, you Yeah, why am I going to just dump like, everything for you? I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. And they didn't like me there. And I felt when I was there, too, everyone was kind of staring at me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, like, one of the only white people in mm-hmm. there. And I just felt like everyone was wondering what was wrong with me. Because, like, oh, her life's probably perfect. Like, why is she here? Right. Yeah, I think at that facility in particular, like, I remember sitting in a group session and people being like, oh, my dad's in prison. Yeah. And this is what my problem is. Or then it's another girl who's like, I've been I've been sexually assaulted since I was three years exactly. old by my uncle and and everything. And then it was, like, me. And I'm like, I live in a nice community and with a white picket fence, you know? Yeah. And then suddenly you're feeling guilty because you don't feel like you have enough of a reason to be there. Yeah. No, I, that, yeah, that happened to me too. And I just, that made me kind of not want to share also. Right. It's not like I really had anything to say. I never told anyone what was going on. Yeah. But sometimes it's just easier that way. Yeah. Cause as soon as you tell people too, it's like you're opening yourself up for people to judge. Yeah. And, and that's it, scary. And it was weird too because like in this town at school, I didn't want to tell people because I didn't want to be the messed up one in there. Like I didn't want to tell people what was going on because I didn't want to be the one that wasn't messed up enough. Exactly. You never, where do you fit in yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, I think honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to even do this podcast is like, I in my personal opinion, everyone's fucked up. Yeah. Everyone has their problems and we just gloss over them and pretend like they don't exist. And then it makes you feel bad because you're thinking to yourself, holy shit, everyone else has got their shit together and I'm the one who's really messed up. Yeah. When that's just not the case at all. But people just don't know that and don't like let themselves see that. Yeah. And they sweep it under the rug and that just makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. And because then you feel ashamed, too, for having anything wrong with you. No one should be ashamed for feeling emotion. Yeah. Feeling a little bit sad sometimes or like having depression. It's just completely normal. So then, so at Fremont, too, I don't know if this happened at Fremont or later, but were you, were you ever diagnosed with anything more than just anxiety and depression? No, um, that was at Pacific Quest, which was the wilderness place. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So then, so after, when you came back, was... Have you ever been diagnosed with anything other than just anxiety and depression, or was that kind of I the was basics? Diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah, and that is it. Yeah. Just and what's that? What like for for me? I recently was also diagnosed with that, and I feel like it was such a trippy experience because I was like, "What?" Uh, you know, I, in my head, I'm like, "I didn't go to war." You know what yeah. I mean? Like you associate it with that, but that's not really what it is. So yeah. for you, was it? more of just like your childhood and trauma you'd experienced kind of thing yeah for me I was terrified to be alone in a room with 
like an older man, like a 40 year old man or something. And I didn't trust people at all. And kind of like whenever I went to a room, I just, I was just constantly evaluating everything and always looking for things to put myself like one step ahead of of other people. Like I just didn't trust anything or anyone around me. And I still to this day, usually if I'm at a party or something and I get like I have a couple drinks in me. Then if someone puts their hands on me, I freak out. Mm. That happens a lot. I just end up punching people. Not in an, like, like... No, but in a instinctual way. In an instinctual yeah. way, yeah. Because um, people always like to, like, like, I don't know why people always like to put their hands on me. And I, yeah. I completely hate it. And then also, I think one of the things where it comes out now more is that if I'm at a party with people I don't know, yeah, then I end up drinking a lot. Because I'm worried. I don't know why it happens, but I think I'm just so worried and all these st- thoughts start coming to me that I think that's going to help. Yeah. That it'll make me, like, less anxious and more sociable, but it just definitely doesn't happen. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common response to things, though. Yeah. To, like, start using substances or something to just be like, let me just be more natural and not have to be freaking out the whole time while I'm here. Yeah. So did you start... So how old were you when you started drinking, too? Uh, freshman freshman year or summer going into freshman year yeah I started doing drugs in eighth grade though yeah it was just edibles like maybe two or three times only though yeah so how did that how did that kind of progress for you into into high school and then did you start kind of escalating in terms of like the drugs you were doing and how often you were doing them um I never really got into the whole weed thing yeah it just it made me super anxious I got really paranoid yeah and so that was never really my thing. Um, drinking though, I drank a lot. Like I, when I drank, I I was drunk. Right. Like I was. I was very. You drunk. drank to get drunk. Yeah, basically. exactly. Mm-hmm. I I drank to forget things and mm-hmm. to feel like a normal human being, just so I wouldn't have to be myself for a little bit. Yeah. You get to like escape your own yeah. mind. And that was really bad. And then it got to a point where I was drinking sometimes during the school week at night because I couldn't sit in my room. I couldn't sit and be alone with myself. And I thought that something that would help was drinking. And it's just like a short-term answer to a problem. And it's not even an answer. It's just setting everything aside. Then you feel worse about yourself the next day and you don't feel good anyways. Yeah. So that that is... But it's hard. It's when you're looking for those, like, temporary fixes. It's just so hard to be able to have that perspective. And, like... You know, people can tell you that all they want and parents and adults and anyone can be like, you know, don't drink. It's actually depressant. And this is these are going to be the effects. But when you're in pain, you just want to do anything you can to not be in pain. Yeah, to escape it. Exactly. So then so then with drugs, too, did it ever progress to anything like more significant or you just kind of stayed with? No, I just kind of stayed away from drugs. Yeah. Alcohol was more your advice. Yeah it's kind of it's, it's weird when I came back from treatment and all that someone asked me he was like oh I heard you were addicted to opiates and I was like what and then someone told me they heard I was addicted to coke too that was a big one I was like oh that's just not not true not accurate but yeah, yeah. No, it was more alcohol for me I don't know why I've always kind of had a thing against drugs yeah my head. I think it's because my um mom's cousin he was addicted to heroin and he just mm. recently passed away but oh, that was so just sorry. It, it's um, but that was, I saw the effects of that more so than I did right. the effects of alcohol, so I stayed away. Right. So you kind of, in your head, you're like, I don't, that's not the path I want to go yeah. down kind of thing. Yeah. So then in terms of like partying and stuff, how did that, do you think you use that as like a coping mechanism too, to just kind of be like, fuck it, let's forget everything and. Oh yeah. No. Like when I saw other people drinking, I'm like, oh, like this is an excuse for me to drink. Right. It, I wasn't doing it to have fun. I wasn't doing it to be social. I was just doing it selfishly to forget and then have other people have to deal with me right honestly and my own problems and after i came back that got that got better i didn't drink for a really long time after i came back and then i kind of started to again and i ran into the problem of um being around people i don't really know Mm -hmm. and that's when i started to notice that and then it got kind of bad again at parties for a little bit and I just realized, it was after one really bad night, I realized that I didn't want to be anyone else's problem. And that, like, I I was doing it. That's when I first, like, re- really realized that, once again, I was doing this to forget things. It was yeah. after the anniversary of my, not anniversary, I, I called it an No, I, I get what you mean. Of my teacher, I realized, like, oh, this is why, like, I'm doing this right, right now. This is why I'm literally going crazy and blacking out. Right. And so, But it, it wasn't, like, a once a week thing. It was maybe, like, once a month yeah or something 
And did your parents know that you were drinking and partying? And how did they feel about it if they did? They knew when I started, after I got back, once I started again, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have, like, a drink or something. Right. But they didn't really know to the extent for a while. Yeah. Of, like, sometimes when I go out. And they're fine with it now because I can control myself. Right. Like, I know... I know what it is and how I am. Right. So, yeah. You've kind of learned from your yeah, experiences. Yeah, it's, it's all situational. And right. I still am learning. I, yeah. I was uncomfortable even this last week. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a tough situation to be in sometimes because you want to have fun and you want to be fun for other people. Yeah. But it's also, like, you can't escape, like, what's going on in your real life. And it's, like, not like you can just snap your fingers and then suddenly you're here for a party. You know? It's, like, you're still carrying the shit that you've gone through. And sometimes it's frustrating, I think. Because sometimes I want to just be able to, like, let it all go and Mm -hmm. just be fun, Casey. And that just doesn't happen. You just can't. It kind of changes who you are, too, as a person. And I used to resent that fact. I was like, oh, like, that man that did that stuff to me, he owns a part of me. Like right. He is part of me. And I realized that's not true. Like, I was letting him control me and my actions. Right. So, so how, how did you kind of come to terms with, like, taking taking back your identity and taking back that piece that you felt like he owned of you? I think I made a list. Really? <laughs> that's when it started. I made a list of everything that, like, I loved about myself and everything that I thought I lost to him. And I realized that everything I thought that I'd lost, I still had. Mm-hmm. And that no one can really take that away from me. And that's when I think I started gaining control of myself again. I wrote a lot. A lot yeah. of letters to him that I'd never send, that I'd burn them. Right. That's what we did at PQ. We, we burned a lot of stuff. Symbolically. <laughs> but And then it really just took practice of me thinking positive thoughts. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. I, so writing was big for you? Yeah. Yeah. huge because I can articulate myself better on paper than I can when I'm talking mm-hmm. and that's when I it's it gets to the root of me right as, as a person right yeah I feel like that's a lot of people can relate to that but a lot of people just don't want to do it yeah because sometimes it's like you don't want to get to the deepest parts of you because it's scary yeah because then if it's on paper too it's real right if it's in your head, you can just kind of dismiss it as a thought. Yeah. Or you can believe it. Like, a lot of right. times I had these twisted thoughts that I'd write on paper and then I'd look at it and I'd be like, oh, that's just, that looks wrong now. Right. I, it, it, when I think it, it seems right, but if I see it out there, it's just completely wrong. Right. And then it kind of forces you to realize that all the things you think aren't necessarily true. Yeah. And that you should probably talk to someone. Mm-hmm. You can't always believe your <laughs> yeah, own thoughts. You really can't. Because they can be pretty deceiving. Yeah. But yeah, so then... How also has that kind of affected your sense of self in terms of, like, your sexuality or, like, promiscuity or how you kind of, like, interact with guys ever? Like, does that ever become a factor for you? Um, my It hasn't changed my sexuality, but the way I interact with guys, it definitely yeah. has. I still, my first, like, reaction when people, when a guy approaches me is like, oh, like, what do they want from me? Right. And that's not really good. And I still need to work on that. I don't know how I'm going to change that or how I'm going to think myself out of it. But I also find it really hard to create long-lasting relationships with people. Mm -hmm. I kind of talk to them for a little bit. And then once I start feeling like they like me, I don't – like I stop. You back out. I back Mm -hmm. out. And that's bad. And I don't really see an issue with hooking up with a lot of people. Yeah. I don't quite know what it is. I guess I just don't really attach that much emotion to those acts. Right. Just because of how my brain has interpreted things. Right. And, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that, too. Like, I want you yeah, to, you know no, what I mean? I know, I don't. And it's, it's just other people's when other perceptions. People, it, totally. And I don't care. Like, I am completely open about what I do. Like, right. I don't really care. Like, but it's just when it starts changing other people's perceptions of me, yeah. that's when I start to care. Right. And I still need to be confident enough in myself not to completely... Keep, like listen to what other people say mm-hmm. but i'm not i'm not there yet yeah and i still got work to do with that yeah i mean it's tough too when like i feel like especially as women it's yeah. just it, you know you can be a guy and you can be fucking 15 girls at once and and everyone's like good job buddy yeah and then you're a girl and suddenly you hook up with one person and it's like what a whore yeah and it it, it just is so 
ridiculous because really like you know we own our own sexuality and our own bodies and we're in charge and of what we want to do and if we want to enjoy ourselves or if we want to do something then like we have the right to do that without being judged all the more power to us exactly i I don't understand what the whole stigma is around yeah It, it doesn't make sense to me do you feel like do you feel like you're judged more by guys girls or like adults Honestly, I think guys judge a little bit more. Yeah. My girlfriends, they don't really care. They're just like, oh, like, whatever. Right. Like, did it mean anything? They're like, they're always like, oh, like, did it mean anything? And they're like, did you want to? Yeah, exactly. And, did and you so have like, fun? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what well, like, and that's what they ask. But I feel like for guys, it's more. They're more like, oh, like, I'm gonna like put her into a different file now. Like, yeah. Suddenly that, you're like damaged goods. Exactly. Or you're like an easy target. Right. And that just. Thing. that's disgusting it, it it really is yeah it's like when guys guys i don't know if you've met any guy but they have like this list of people that they've like hooked up with yeah and it's it I, guys are always like oh like good for you like how many people on your list yeah and stuff and it's like if you're what's one your of the number girl, yeah and yeah. if you're one of the girls on the list then it's completely different story like you're one oh. of those girls like you're not a girlfriend girl you're a i'll yeah. hook up with you like, you're not wife material exactly. quote unquote. yeah which mm-hmm. is so stupid yeah and it's just like, have you ever been in a long-term relationship, or have you ever, like, dated anyone seriously? No. Do you think it's that you're kind of just afraid to jump into it when it when you feel that they're, you know, having feelings for you? Yeah, I don't really know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just something in my head tells me to run. Yeah. And I do it every single time I listen to it. I just think I don't trust those people enough yet. I think for me, in order to be in a long-term relationship, I have to, the person has to be my friend first. Right. Just because, I don't really know why, but... No, that makes sense. And, like, you have to build up that trust first, because that's a huge deal. And it's a lot of commitment, and it's a lot of, like, having faith in this other person that they're not gonna betray you and, like, hurt you in the end. Because for me, it's not really the sexual stuff that's scary or any of that. It's the fact that someone has to rely on me, and I have to rely on someone that just scares me. Yeah. And, like, especially when you've had, I feel like, at least for me, especially when I've had you know mental health issues in the past it's really scary to have to think that like i'm i'm putting emotional support into another person and expecting them to give it back to me yeah because if you rely on that too much then you end up like hurting yourself because like for me i just got out of a relationship recently and i realized how much of my emotional support i was getting from him and how much of it like i relied on him for it so it kind of spent, sent me in a spiral afterwards because I was like, oh, shit. I used to just, like, let you determine my happiness, which is, you know, not how it should be. But especially when you have mental health issues, it's easy to, like, feel depressed and then ask someone else and be like, hey, can you come help pick me up yeah. off the ground? and then it turns into that codependent relationship. Exactly. It's just healthy. Exactly. And I feel like that that's honestly what I have realized I was a part of. Yeah. But by my own doing kind of yeah you know that makes sense are you doing better after that yeah thanks he's so cute yeah no I'm doing I'm definitely doing a lot better it's taken some time and you know for me I think even recently I I had a bit of a I had a, a a suicide attempt recently and I I think I panicked because you know suddenly the person that I always turned to and the person that I always would have gone to when I was feeling this way was like gone yeah. sort of you know and so I was like oh shit what do I do now and it was just kind of that moment of panic yeah and you know I'm doing a lot better now and I don't think that it was I I really I wasn't suicidal that was the thing that kind of didn't make sense is it was very impulsive yeah kind and of it, like a like you needed help and that's exactly we're going to get exactly yeah, and and I think sometimes that's, like, really shameful for me to admit that, like, maybe it was a cry for help kind of thing, which I don't know why there's such a negative connotation with that, but people hear a cry for help and they think, like, attention. Like, yeah. you wanted attention. Yeah. And it's like, that. no, that's not the case. It's just that you were trying to show on the outside how much you're hurting on the inside. That's what people think about self-harm, too. Right. They think it's a cry for help just for attention. Attention. Yeah. Yeah. But. Which is so not what it is. Exactly. And it's really awful that people associate it that way because it's so dismissive. Yeah. It's it's such an easy way for them to be like, oh, now I don't have to care because she's just doing it for attention. 
And then I can relate to a lot with what you said about you want to make yourself look on the outside how you feel on the inside. Right. Like, that was a big part of it for me, too. Like, I felt damaged. And, right. like, no one should come around me or, like, no one should be near me. So I yeah. felt that I needed to look the part. Right. Yeah, I think... And, like, I deserved it. In exactly. Way. I was like, oh, I deserve exactly. this pain. No one deserves that. Right. But it's so it's so different when it's yourself, yeah. almost. Like, I, you know, everyone says you're your own worst critic, which is... Yeah. It's true. But it's it's such a cliche, but... You know, you look around at other people, and I think to myself, I would never treat my friends and people I cared about the way that I treat myself. Yeah. Which is such a shame, but, you know, it's a work in progress. Yeah. We're working on it. We're getting there, but it's it's day by day, honestly. And also, I don't know about you, but with your depression, yeah. for me, at least, I always try to make other people feel so much better. Totally. Yeah. Just because I don't want anyone to ever feel the way that I have in the past. Yeah. So. I feel like once you've gone through an experience like that and once you know what it's like to live with depression and other mental health issues you kind of like you're trying to do everything in your power to make sure that no one else has to suffer the same way that you have yeah because it's just and and I'm a very like nurturing person and that's just kind of in my nature so I you know even when I am in a depressed state or something I will not put myself first and my own happiness first I'll just try to channel my energy towards fixing other people yeah i do that too i'm not i'm not so nurturing though <laughs> i just everyone's got their own thing you know what yeah, i mean i'm just kind of a bounce backboard i feel like right people just kind of bounce their thoughts off me because they know i understand i don't know what it is about me necessarily people think they can talk to me about stuff like that which yeah. they totally can but people I'll, open I'll up listen. to you yeah and i think mm-hmm. people can tell i actually listen to them right which most people don't i don't like i know why yeah no, that's very true. Yeah. It's a lot of our... I think that's pretty common, too, of just, like, our age group. Yeah. That it's just... It's so easy to just talk, 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 and not actually hear what yeah. the other person's saying and, like, really listen Internalize to it. it. Yeah. yeah. And understand. Yeah. And at least for me, like, having gone through the kind of things that I've been through just makes me want to empathize more with other people and want to be the person to listen. Yeah. Because, you know, you, yeah. when you're going through that yourself, you never feel like anyone else wants to listen. Yeah. And you feel like you're... Burdening people. Totally. And, like, and especially if, like, time has passed. Mm-hmm. Like, that was always a thing for me where I was like, I should feel better at this point. It's been three months since this incident. Or it's been ho- however many years since this incident. I should feel better. No one wants to hear me still complaining about yeah. it today. Should is a dangerous word, though. Yeah. That word always gets you. Exactly. Oh. I should this, should that, and it's just bullshit, exactly. to be honest. But yeah, so are you in therapy today? No, I actually stopped. Oh, really? Sometimes I go, I just had a recent incident happen where I had to go back, but other than that, I stopped going to therapy sometime this year, I think the okay. beginning of the year. Oh, yeah, it was, because she wanted to, my therapist wanted to see how I adjusted going back into the high school. Right. And then, so I think around October, I stopped going. Okay. And how has your adjustment back been, do you think? It's been really good. Yeah. I feel like I never look You look great. Like, Thank to you. To be honest. Like, I know looks can be deceiving, but you look happier than yeah. I've seen you in a while. So that makes me really happy. I'm super happy. Everyone there, I just admire myself. I think yeah. people can see that and they respect it. And I feel like everyone around me wants me to be there now. Right. And cares about me. It's more of a family dynamic. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. Right. Because just when you have people to lean on and who actually feel like they want the best for you. Yeah, exactly. It makes a difference. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's really good that your adjustment back to the high school has been good. How's it been with, like, academic stuff and, like, trying to, you know, like, did you miss a lot? I know you got some credit at the wilderness oh. program, but did you feel like you missed a lot academically? So when I was in Montana, it was a school, too. Oh, okay. So I went to school when I was there. And I got a bunch of random credits that counted for, like, PE, and then I also got normal school credits. Right. And then when I came home, so I came home junior year. I could have gone back to the high school, but I wasn't allowed to. And then I went to Fusion. Allowed to by your parents? Yeah, or by parents. Okay. And uh, they just thought it would be bad for me. Right. Which it probably would have been, to be honest. Did you th- did you agree with that decision at the time? No. Yeah, I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah, I think any teenager, I think it'd be hard to be like, why are you not letting me go back and see my friends and the environment that I know? (laughs) I was also terrified, though. Yeah. Because I had no, I knew that people were texting around, they're like, oh, like, I just saw a blank. Right. I was like, oh, God. Right. 
how do people see me? Like, who am I? And the fact that I was even thinking that too, right, when I got back meant that I probably wasn't ready. Right. And so then I went to Fusion, which is one-on-one schooling. And that was kind of hard for me to get used to, just like being like alone in a room with like a teacher like that. That scared me. But uh, it was really, really good for me. I created personal relationships with all my teachers, and I knew that they truly cared for me. That's awesome. And I learned a lot, and then I got caught up when I was there, and then I went back to the high school for my senior year. And I just had to take one semester of an English class online, Mm -hmm. which was fine. I mean, I have free time. And academics had never really been an issue for me. Right. So I was able to put in the effort to kind of get all the stuff I needed done. Yeah. Which is impressive. Like, really. Like, I feel like you need to give yourself hella credit for that. Because that's pretty damn amazing. Like, even I'm currently, you know, I'm going to be doing a fifth year at the high school. So I'm very behind in my academics. And even just, like, trying to keep up with that sometimes, especially when you're going through some shit, is really hard. So, like, major props to you for doing that. Are you doing schooling in the summer? Because that's what I had to do last year. Yeah. I think I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. So it'll... You know, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out yet, but I'm definitely going to be in some kind of school environment, so we'll see. It's really not even that bad, too. I was taking probably four classes over the summer, and it's just a 50-minute period, yeah. and then you get to go it's right. every other day, so. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus, I'm like joking. <coughs> yeah, I told you before, I was like, I was waiting to do this for when I wasn't sick, yeah. and then well, I'm sick right now. We're both like, yeah, <laughs> oh, sound like a man, but oh well. But yeah, is there anything else that you? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I if there's anything else I like wanted to talk to you about. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or that you feel would help other people to know? I guess just kind of the fact that you're never gonna be fixed, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in the fact that nobody's perfect and nobody is ever going to have everything figured out in their life. Like, I still struggle with things. Not on a daily basis anymore, but they pop up. <coughs> I'm so <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> and now... <coughs> Jesus. Hold on. Wait one sec to finish what you were saying. This was so good. I'm, like, choking here. <laughs> Guzzling it. Okay. Continue. It was so good. <laughs> um... And just kind of, the longer, honestly, time is what helps. And that's the worst thing to hear, especially if you're someone like me. Like, I want things fixed, and I want them fixed now, like this. And that's just not how it works. But just believe that you can be better. And I know that's probably a really hard thought to have sometimes, but it's there. And then even if things happen, because I had something happen to me recently, too, um, and it didn't push me down. I thought that I was going to be pushed down as far as I can. I was going to hit rock bottom bottom once again. But I was fine. I had the skills to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of understood. Like, I understood myself enough to know that I was better and I wasn't going to let it control me again. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like that's... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, professional, Casey. Um... <laughs> My voice still sounds like you can hear it still in my throat. Cough. <coughs> Good God, why? Um, I feel like that's a big fear of mine too. That like, if something bad happens again, that I'm gonna be like triggered again and like I'm gonna relapse or something. Yeah. Like, what do you want to talk about? What happened recently, or you'd rather not? Um, I was in the Bahamas mm. for New Year's and I was roofied. Jesus. Yeah, and I was assaulted. And I, I, honestly, this, I think one of the reasons why it wasn't as hard for me is because I don't remember any of it. Yeah. But um, just the fact that someone was able to do that to me again kind of made me think, like, oh, I'm not going to accept drinks from anyone. Because like, I always right. heard people say, like, oh, don't do that. But I was like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going right. to, no one's going to do that to me. But then it happens. And I expected to have a complete meltdown. Yeah. It's like, this is going to be bad. I know it's going to be bad. And a week went by, and it wasn't good, but I well, was... Well, I don't think anyone would <laughs> it expect it to be. But I <coughs> just wrote things down. I wrote down how I felt. I talked to people, which is something I didn't usually do. And I was able to realize that it wasn't my fault. Because I think one of the biggest Never. things that haunted me about what happened in Australia was that I thought it was my fault, that I let that happen. God, no. And I just was able to pick myself up. With help from others, but mostly by myself, and I'm really proud of that. 
because you should be that's that's fucking amazing dude i mean honestly like the fact that you've you've been through that experience and been through that experience twice is remarkable like really you're you're such a strong person and the fact that you are still here and still willing to talk about it and able to ask for help when you need it is everything because that's so so hard to do sometimes i just wish more people would talk about it yeah because it makes me sad to see people where you can tell something's going on but they just won't say anything right and just if they let it out it comes out in a flood like yeah and it, you just feel better afterwards yeah it really is like really cathartic yeah you feel less like you're in a bubble like watching the world go around mm-hmm. and not being able to communicate because that's how i used to feel yeah well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, no, thank like, you Like, I appreciate me. it so much, and I'm so glad that, like, you said yes, and you're just amazing, and I honestly think so many people can learn so much from you, so. Really appreciate it, girl. Of course. All right. I think that is it. Should I have a theme song? 